Hopefully it's all working. Welcome to episode 110 of the Mighty Whites podcast. As always, I'm Jack and I'm joined by KC. Hello. How's things, mate? All good? Yeah, not too bad. Not too bad. Cool. Um, it's one of those weird ones again. Hopefully we don't get curtailed because I'm just going to level with you all. My fiance is eight and a bit months pregnant, so there is always a chance that this podcast might be over in five minutes. And that goes for any going forward for the next few weeks. Um, I'd like to think I could carry this on my own. Yeah, but based on some of your life choices, I'm not sure that's true. <laughs> hey, see, that tweet was accurate. Look at how much time we spend in laughing at each other's jokes. Uh, one thing that was less funny, Leeds nil, Villa won. Uh, to be honest, I've blanked, I've blanked quite a lot of this game out. To be honest, I don't really remember it that much. Obviously, El Ghazi scores early on. Uh, the assist going not to Ollie Watkins, but to our pitch. That <laughs> had him fall over and turn a poor shot into an excellent cross. Good touch from El Ghazi. Decent finish. But once they got the goal, they sat back, defended well. They were solid. And... Did we ever really look like scoring? We had that one Tyler Roberts chance and the uh, Rafinha header late on, and that was about it, really. Uh, I mean, you said you you blanked most of this one out now. I was quite lucky in that I was working during this, so I, I didn't get to see that much of it. I've, I've only seen, I want to say, the highlights, but um, you, you know it wasn't a good game when we were on last on Match of the Day, which must be one of the first times this season. Yeah, normally I would say, you know, when you're doing something like this, obviously I'd go, well, go back, watch for full 90 minutes. But with this one, it really wasn't worth your time. So, and I knew that we wouldn't be talking about it very much. The most interesting thing I thought out of this game, because truth be told, we really, there really isn't loads to say about it. Uh, the, you know, the defence was solid enough, midfield was okay, up front we were pretty quiet. But uh, Diego Luente um, broke the lines with his passing a couple of times again. And when a team is sitting deep and our centre-backs will have time to bring the ball out, he looks like he could be quite useful in that regard. Mm. Do you Does something like that make you think he might be the better choice at holding midfield instead of instead of strike? Or is it that he's playing that much deeper yeah, um, that he has the time to play those passes? I think that Juventus probably has enough technical ability to play the passes from midfield, but it's a totally different type of skill. When you're playing it from centre-back, the entire game's in front of you and you don't really need to worry about what's over your shoulder and things like that. You're not receiving the ball with your back to goal ever, really, when you're at centre-back. Occasionally, you'll get it rolled to you from the keeper, but in theory, that should only be when you're under little pressure. So the DM role is a lot more difficult. And... I know that the All Stats and We guys were saying about this on Twitter. Juventus uh, doesn't look quite as strong when he's defending 1v1, mm. uh, which would be a problem playing the DM role in our side. I, I wouldn't rule it out as something that, like, you know, we might see it at some point. But from what I've seen, obviously Phillips is ahead. I think Strauk is. And from what I've seen, once he's fit, I think Robin Cock is as well. So I wouldn't expect to see it very often, but maybe occasionally. Um, obviously, you only saw the highlights. Have you really much else to say about this game? Because obviously, and it was also best part of a week ago now. So, in fact, yeah, was it a week ago? Uh, <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it was Saturday night, but I didn't like the way we moved. Um, sorry, that's a a Wigfield reference for for the kids. 
Um, no, I, I thought the way Villa defended was was reminiscent of a lot of lower mid to, lower to bottom end teams defended against us in the Championship of just solid back four, fair, played fairly narrow, and we struggled to break that down and. And I, th- and I think especially in games like that when you don't have someone like Calvin Phillips who who can play, pick out those killer balls and or you know kind of get it in between the fullback and centre back for for a winger to run onto, um, we we sort of struggled here and it's it's one of the big things that I, I don't think we ever really got past in the championship was was really how to undo a defence and maybe that's just because we didn't have players outside of Hernandez who could produce that moment of magic. Um, but yeah, you know, going into this game with, you know, Hernandez isn't, you know, is it starting? You've not got Rodrigo. And I don't, as I've said before, I don't think Tyler Roberts is there yet on producing that bit of, that bit of quality that's just unexpected by, by a defence. Um yeah. Yeah, that, that's one of the things that I think it comes down to, that our lack of ability to sometimes break down teams that sit deep. I do think that for the most part, it's just uh, just not quite being at that level of quality. Like um, In this game, like most of the good things that we did in the first half, Roberts was involved with, but there were also a few things that he got wrong, and in the second half, he dropped off. Hernandez did okay when he came on, but he was having to get the ball a bit too deep, really. Helder Costa got the start ahead of Jack Harrison, which after the recent performances was probably fair enough, but Helder Costa did not. Jack Harrison came on, he didn't really do much. Even Rafinha was pretty quiet. Like it just going forward, a lot I, you do there is some credit to be given to Villa because they defended well, they stuck with a man, all of that stuff. But going forward, we just didn't have the best day. Uh, hopefully you would hope the return of like some really highly technically gifted players could help with that. And in the under-23s, now admittedly I was working, I didn't get to watch all of this, Leeds won 2-0 at Wolves and Rodrigo got both goals on his return to action after his injury. Uh, That could be the sort of thing that we need to break down the team that sits deep. Uh, Did you get to see much of this or are you highlights the same as me for this? Yeah, I I was just highlights. But um, again, one, it's it's nice to see Berardi making his second start for them. Rodrigo coming in. And I think that coupled with Bielsa's press conference saying that it's it's kind of touch and go for Rodrigo and, and Phillips where yeah. I, I would guess seeing that Rodrigo probably makes the bench. Mm. Um, whereas obviously we didn't see Phillips now, whether that's a case of just holding off um, or if he, he's actually just a bit further behind Rodrigo. I don't know, but... Um, yeah, another another good performance by all accounts from the from the twenty three. What are they? Thirteen points clear at the top now. Yeah, thirteen points clear at the top. So they should be in the top division of BL two next season. Uh, from obviously, again, I didn't get to see it live. From what I was told from Kevin O'Hare, who did watch it live and did the report for his site, uh, Cody Drama was excellent once again. You saw that all over the place. And uh, young Charlie Allen, uh, obviously, we signed from Linfield in the summer. He's just turned 17 now, and he played at middle and midfield and had by far his best game at 23's level. Uh, it was In other games, he's been knocked about a bit and stuff, and he's looked like he wasn't. This one, he looked like he was set at the level and really produced some really good moments. 
uh, there was a like a little compilation going around on Twitter of just him, you know, beating players and picking out passes and things like that. So that's that's a good sign. Um, in, in five years' time, I'm really looking forward to playing football manager when all these lads have moved into the first team, and you just look, you know, like when you got the occasional regen player through, especially on like the old chat managers where it'd be like uh, left back slash striker. You're like, what, what, why? What, just, what, Niall Huggins? Well, yeah, exactly. That's what I'm saying. Gonna, <laughs> I, I feel like we're going to have this really diverse squad of only 18 players, but they, between them they can play an unbelievable amount of positions. Yeah, well, that that's the way to do it. That way, you know, you can cover 15 positions on your bench, which is always great. It, well, uh, Ali just sending us a message there saying Charlie Allen was man of the match. I, I've heard a few people say similar with that. It's, it was actually quite. I've just just been having quite a good discussion about the twenty threes actually, and, and kind of the way they've been used and the way they're being trained to to basically be good in two positions, as to whether that hinders their development in their best position, or because of the stage they're at in that division, is it a case where we are that far ahead in that division now? Is there really any any benefit to? Sam Greenwood just playing striker week in, week out, or does it benefit him to to train in a second and learn a second position when they are that far ahead? Yeah, there is it is a bit weird. Like the the level we do look like it is a little bit not beneath them, but especially when we have a couple of senior names in there, we really do look cut above in some games in that division. As I say, I didn't get to see all of this one, but I've seen quite a, most of the 23s games this season. It has looked a bit like that. Uh, but we'll we'll see. I, I, I'm expecting to see... I could see Drama getting on to, getting into the squad before the end of the season. Uh, yeah, he, he just seems to... Every week he seems to stand out. Yeah, and, and probably not as drastic a change for him, but his competence at, at both right back and centre back at the moment are, are looking great. Yeah. Um, he, as a, he will definitely be one to keep an eye on from what we're seeing. There's only one real bit of news before we get into the West Ham game. Uh, Pascal Strauch has turned down a Belgium call up. Uh, the quote from Roberto Martinez, who I keep forgetting is Belgium manager. Uh, it seems that his heart lies with the Netherlands. We have to respect that. I don't want to start a war between different federations, so he won't be in my selection. But that does not mean that the file is completely closed. Uh, were you, are you surprised at him doing so? Obviously, we don't know the bloke personally. It might be that, and, and that despite being born in Belgium, he's Dutch. That's always to it, and that's is no interest. But I'm, I'm, a, I'm surprised that he's turned it down, if I'm being honest. He must... For him to do something like that, you'd think he must have had some feelers put out by the Dutch national team. I, because I, I do feel like, bearing in mind, is, is, is Belgium still the number one team in the world? Uh, well, I FIFA rankings are probably up there, but the FIFA rankings don't mean a great deal. Well, I know, but it's good to be world uh, number I've one. I've just checked, yeah they're, yeah, they're still number one ahead of France. Um. So yeah, to to turn down a, a, that Belgian team, which which would be a great team to play in, you must have had, he must have had some feelers put out there by the Dutch national team as to, or whether it's him putting it out, so asking them if there is any interest in him playing, or 
or the or vice versa. It would be a strange thing to do. I feel like if if Holland had basically gone, no, not really. Or, yeah, or, but they must have said something. It. Ju- I still think that that. It's just when I look at the squads on paper, like you look at the Dutch squad, and like just top of my head, Virgil van Dijk, Stefan de Vrij, Nathan Ake, Matthias de Ligt. Hmm. Like that's four Dutch centre-backs that you would think would be ahead of Strauch at the minute and would be for a while. None of them are massively old. I think uh, I think de Vrij is actually going to think that. I'm not sure how old, but I think de Vrij is in his early 30s. Uh, so T- maybe he'll drop off. Oh, he's only 29. <laughs> Turns out he's, he's actually holding out for Indonesia. Yeah, yeah, it is Indonesia. I can't remember if it was Indonesia or Philippines, but it was eligible. For I, I literally just went through Wikipedia to double check. Yeah, uh, but they've got those four centre backs that are there, and they've got other good young ones like Sven Botman at Lille, who is being linked with Liverpool every week. Although he is a centre back, and they are linked with every centre back in Europe. Uh, who's really highly rated. Whereas Belgium, like their main f- sort of five that you'd think of now, you've got Toby Alderweireld and Jan Vertonghen, who were both in the 30s. And Jan Vertonghen, you would think, doesn't have that long left because he's had a few injuries and stuff. Uh, Dedrick Boyata, that you swear for Man City, has never been that great, and he's 30 now. Jason Denea at Lyon is only 25, so he's going, as is De- and Dendonka's only 25 as well. But when you look at those versus the Dutch options, I I can't help but think long term, even if your heart's with Holland, and by all means go with that. If it's that's what you want, that's the most important thing is him being happy with his decision. But I think in terms of his international prospects, Belgium's a better shout. Yeah, I mean, I suppose the good thing for it at this point for him is he's twenty one. He, I don't know how many games he would be starting at the moment for Belgium or in the in the next year or so. Well so he'd probably as... start the next qualifier to lock him in. Well <laughs> um but I suppose if 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 you're gonna only gonna be used sparingly, there's, there's you'd probably rather wait a year, you know, or eighteen months and, and kind of see which way the wind's blowing then than commit yourself to Belgium and then realise it's going to be another couple of years before you're actually playing. Yeah, um, and I suppose the amount he has improved in the last year and a half, who knows what he's going to be in a year and a half further. Yeah. But I, I think it, I think it, within the next year, he'll probably be the best uh, the best strike, uh, sorry, the best central defender that Indonesia has. No, just stick with it, mate. He's a Bielsa player, so he could be the best striker. <laughs> we don't know. No, that's Stuart Dallas. Yeah, um, just... Ali did messages again with a further under-23s thing. So just before we get into West Ham, I'll say it. Drama impressive again. Berardi's passing was spot on. Line at all. Sergeant is just not quite the pace. Positioning, medi- defending, look easy. Well, as uh, with, with Berardi, it's one of them. I, uh, as much as I'm glad that we re-signed him and it was the right thing to do and stuff, I don't think he'll be here after the summer. I'm just hoping that he gets that one game, end of season, and there's some fans there. Yeah, I'd, I'd I'd love him to get his essentially his Paddy Kisnorbo moment of, of kind of making that comeback, and, and we get to see him at least one more time. Yeah, him uh, and I'd, probably Pablo as well. But. Yeah, to be honest, I do feel like it's going to be like obviously we'd all love to be there on sort of the last day of the season or the last game of the season at home. One so that 
all the new signings can can finally appreciate what it's like to play at Ellen Road in front of a crowd. And and yeah, so we could kind of say our goodbyes to as as we're all kind of assuming at this point, Pablo and, and Gaetana Berardi. Yeah, uh, Rafinha was saying that today, how he's really looking forward to playing in front of the crowd. It was quite a well-timed interview with him being linked with every club in the world. Like today, it was Scum, who Scum's fans all over Twitter embarrassing themselves. Uh, not because they're really excited about signing, just the way some of them speak about football. They do not live in the real world at all. No. Thinking, le- legitimately, people thinking that they're going to sign Rafinha for Dan James and five million. <laughs> <laughs> Just no concept of reality whatsoever. Um, so, obviously, there wasn't much to go into before, so I knew this was going to be quick. Monday night. Bloody West hell, we're there already. Yeah, 16, well, the, what, 16 minutes. Well, we knew it was going to be a bit like this. Yeah, Monday well, night. Like, I think, as I said to uh, the tweet about our laughing at each other content, uh, that is pretty much how we padded it out to 45 minutes. So we've, uh, we've cut through the fat and... And here we are now. Um, that, that and, of course, we are hilarious. <laughs> Obviously. You know, if you if you like references to The Simpsons and pro wrestling, this is the Leech United podcast for you. Yeah. Uh, obviously, we can, we can analyse this and will, but the main thing, London. <sighs> it's always um, fucking London. Yeah, uh, Nigel Searles got in touch just to say, are West Ham that good? Uh, yes, a- at the moment, that since the start of 2021, they are the second best team in the division. Yeah. And since the start of the season, the sixth. Yeah. Um, I believe that we both predicted West Ham would get relegated. Yeah, it's not looking good. No, it's not looking great. Uh, Ellen Road, the, it was a 2-1 defeat. Leeds had an early penalty. This was, that was the one where Click took the worst, as bad a penalty as you'll ever see, other than off target, and then got to retake it. Yeah, and scored the and scored that, and then West Ham yeah. scored twice from set pieces. I've had a message of Stephen Horseman just saying, uh, "I do think now we have Juventus fit. Our set ball defence will be a lot better. It can't be much worse than it was against West Ham the first time because they nearly scored from a few others as well." Yeah, I, I, with West Ham and I, and I think. I feel like that game was probably in November. I, I can't remember off the top of my head. It feels like it was probably around then, maybe even October. Um, but I think at that point, like West Ham had obviously got off to a good start, but I think we were all still expecting the them to kind of fall back at least into some sort of mediocrity. Because mm. um, I don't know now... If I look back, if I would say we were poor or if it just turns out that West Ham are actually a good team. West Ham did do a bit of a job on us. Uh, I've just checked, by the way, 11th of December, more recent than I thought. Oh, wow. Yeah. yeah. Um, and here I was thinking, yeah, I'd probably played them like third, fourth game of the season. David Moyes actually kind of did quite a clever job because at that point they'd played 3-4-3 pretty much all season. And Leeds picked a team for a 3-4-3 and they came out 4-2-3-1. Uh, so obviously we had to switch out of playing our three three one three. Yeah, this this was when Antonio was injured at this point, wasn't he? Yeah, he was. Because uh, I am, um, I'm assuming back then, then it, it, yeah, it, it was hilarious. I think that they played up top. Yeah, it was. But the thing, the main thing I remember in their four two three one, obviously they've got several good players, 
but they played Saeed Ben Rama at 10 and he just sat on Calvin Phillips and didn't let him have any space. And that shut down quite a lot of our passing and they went man for man all over the pitch and just defended really well. And when they got the chance to counter, they did that well as, as, as well. Like Leeds had probably what felt like about 80% of the ball and probably was about 60%. Uh, but by the end, West Ham had probably had the better chances and had had more efforts. Um, yeah, I did again c- correct me if I'm wrong because that penalty came fairly early in the game, didn't it? Yeah, it was like five minutes. It was really early, and and it's that typical thing in football when you score in the first five minutes, even if it's a penalty, you think, right, here we go, boys. And I don't obviously, I clearly don't remember a whole lot of the game, but I really don't remember us producing a whole lot after that. Like you say, I think as it goes, I think West Ham played a very effective game against us, and I, and I think looking back the fact that they scored from set pieces probably doesn't actually reflect the fact that they were just the better team yeah yeah they were they were good but the set pieces were real danger and will be in this as well um they still switching between the 4231 and 343 and they played three, they played three at the back against man city last time out which although obviously they are miles better than us in terms of playing style, there are a lot of similarities between us and Man City. But I still think they will be 4-2-3-1 because it worked so well at Ellen Road. And I think they'll want four attacking players instead of three, which is what they end up with. Uh, they've got a few missing. Uh, Arthur Masawaku at left-back, uh, Ryan Fredericks at right-back, Angelo Bonner at centre-back and Andre Yamalenko. Uh, they're all missing, so a few going. And the main thing is, Lucas Fabianski and Darren Randolph have both been injured. So they were down to their third choice keeper, which I believe is still David Martin. Uh, but it sounds like Fabianski is going to be back for this one, and he's he's a good. I know he can be a bit rash and stuff at times, but he is a good goalkeeper. Yeah, I, I mean, at this point, you you just got to kind of look and just and say yeah that they're a good team this year, and you know have been effective against a number of teams. Mm. Um, you know, do, it'd be interesting with this because if if we're going into this and playing, if we end up playing with a, a holding midfielder, and if it ends up being strike now, if you're David Moyes, do you go for the same trick again and just leave someone like Ben Rama on strike, or because he's not as as effective, do you then use him in a more attacking role? Mm. Uh, well, I'll get straight into it. I've got that later in the notes, but I don't think Ben Rama will start, or if he does, it'll be out wide because Jesse Lingard will play at 10. Oh, yeah. And in terms of marking a defensive midfielder, Jesse Lingard is better than Ben Rama. He's got all the, he's got all the energy because he does appear to be back to what he was, plenty of energy. And in terms of sort of discipline and defensive work rate in that sort of situation, Lingard is better than Ben Rama. Yeah. So even if Phillips is fit, which for what it's worth, I don't think he will be. He has been, there's been a video floating about him back in training, but I think this one will come too soon. Uh, so yeah, probably Lingard on Strauch will probably make it difficult for Strauch to be particularly progressive with his passing. And for that reason, I'm hoping that Juventus 
can step out and play a few passes between the lines. You'll probably need Ailing to come in field and do it as well. Uh, just going through what their team's expected to be, it's pretty solid, to be honest. Back four will probably be Soufal, Dawson, Diop and Cresswell. I've always liked Craig Dawson, massive, and he's a massive threat set pieces, as is Diop. Alan Cresswell's set-piece delivery is up there with most people. To be honest, uh, uh, as, as teams go, I, I don't know having Michael Dawson and Richard Cresswell in there is, is, the, is yeah. the wisest choice. <laughs> yeah, especially Richard, Richard Cresswell at left-back seems like a stretch. Um, yeah. I did consider the, bringing Papa Booba Diop into this as well, but uh, he passed away this year, didn't he? Uh, I May well have been last year at this point, but yeah, not that long since. That was a shame. Yeah. Um, really good midfield too. Declan Rice and Thomas Suchek. Um, Suchek's obviously a massive press. He's a massive threat at set paces, but he's also just... When he drives forward, there just doesn't seem to be anyone near him who can like just keep pace with him. He's, he's quick and strong and good on the ball. It allows Rice to just sit... Even though we can get forward rice, but Sochek's just such a threat. And Sochek's why I don't really want us to play... I really don't want us to end up with Click and Roberts as his midfield too. Because I think Sochek will just bully him. Yeah, it's, it's a very passive midfield really, is that? Yeah. And then up front, they'll have Antonio. And then it'll be three from Pablo Fornal, Saeed Benrahma, Jared Bowen and Jesse Lingard. I put, I think it'll be Bowen on the right, Benrahma on the left, Lingard. Uh I have seen West Ham fans, and in, in, I can't remember his name, but uh, the Ostat Santwee guy talked to a West Ham fan, and he was expecting four nails over Ben Rama. But I'd pick Ben Rama. Yeah. Just going back to what you said about Calvin Phillips as well, um, in terms of rushing him back. Obviously, we've got a week, essentially a week, or uh, what is it, five days, and then we've got Chelsea next. Yeah. And then you've got Fulham and Sheffield United. After that, which I'd much rather have him fully fit for those three games and try and rush him into this one. Which between this game and the Chelsea game, I, I, they're both very difficult fixtures at this point. Yeah, and if and if we come away losing this with the form that West Ham are in, I'd, I'd rather just not risk Phillips coming back too soon and, and make sure he's fully fit. Yeah, I'd we much find this out. We find ourselves saying similar a lot, but you might we might feel differently if it, if we were seventeenth. Yeah, I, I suppose at this stage of the season, I, I just look at the Fulham and, and Sheffield United games and just think I'd much rather have him fit and available to play in those where where I think we are going to be able to cause problems um, than risking him through this and and then he ends up missing. You know, again, I'd much rather have him fit for Chelsea. Yeah. Which I think is it's a game where we're probably going to spend a lot more time on the back foot. Um, yeah. Chelsea, who that. amazingly, amazingly, Chelsea look so much better now that they've got Thomas Tuchel in charge, don't they? But I don't know if they're a big fan of his, his style of management. He seems hell bent on upsetting half the dressing room already. But they're um, mm. doing all right. Uh, Ali sent another message just saying they have quite a bit of height, so I'm open play free at the back, so we can have the and strike defending high balls. I think that we will be four at the back, but I think Juventus and Stark will both play because Phillips won't be fit. So at set pieces, we will. And Lingard will probably drag Strout quite deep at times anyway. So you probably will see that, but in a different way. So going back to the, the central midfield as well, when you kind of mentioned Click and, and Roberts, 
I wonder if this is a game where you go back to Click and Dallas as a central midfield partnership and and then you kind of take the sacrifice of putting Alioski back in at left back. Yeah, that's the thing that like can can we have Click and Dallas and then also Dallas at left back? <laughs> <laughs> like that's that's sort of a sum I've been doing in my head trying to figure it out. How many Dallases can we have in the starting lineup? Because with with the players we currently have fit, I think the best midfield two for this game is Click and Dallas. But there's no doubt in my mind that Dallas is a stronger left back, especially like defending against probably Jared Bowen. Then Dallas is stronger than Alioski in that regard. I think I'm I think I would plump for playing Alioski, dropping Roberts, and having Dallas and Click. Uh, yeah, I, th- I think as well when you look at the times when we've had to speak about players, I want to say bursting through the middle against us, but at times it also doesn't feel like they're bursting. It just feels like a light jog through the middle. Yeah, um, yeah. With uh, coming up against someone like Suchek, I'd much rather have kind of that more defensive partnership with with Dallas and Click that I think could manage that better. Yeah. Uh, I suppose the other bit of team selection to wonder about. Uh, obviously, Helder Costa came back in, but didn't really take the opportunity. Then Harrison came off the bench, and to be honest, wasn't much better. Uh, who would you be picking of Harrison and Costa? Yeah, for, I mean, for me at the moment, it's still probably always Jack Harrison. And especially, especially when in a game like this, where I think we're going to have to defend a lot more. Because I do think Harrison gives you that defensive element much better than Helder Costa does. And, and yeah. I'm not talking in terms of, of tracking back. I think he is naturally a better defensive player than, than Helder Costa is. Yeah, and the difference in attacking areas... Well, for most of this season, you'd say Harrison was just better in that regard as well. But in terms of natural like ability, I don't think there's a great deal in it. And I also, I, I do think up against, like so far likes to get forward from right back. So I think I'd rather have Harrison in as well. Obviously Rafinha will have to do a lot of chasing back on Aaron Cresswell because he likes getting forward, but Cresswell isn't as quick as he used to be. So if Rafinha, you know, he does occasionally switch off in that regard, but I think he'd always be able to cover for it if he does. Um, It'll be similar to when we played him at Ellen Road. I think we'll have all the ball, but West Ham will be okay with that. They'll be compact. They'll not leave a great deal of space in behind. And they've got plenty of threat on the counter. You know, pacey attacking midfielders and a rapid striker who's also really strong and really good at holding the ball up. Uh, it'll be it'll be a tough one, this, without a doubt. I'm actually going to go negative with my prediction and and very rarely do I actually back us to lose, but I'm going to say West Ham win this one 1-0. Yeah, that is rare for you. Um, I must admit, I feel a similar way. Obviously, this one's a bit of a short one, but basically we've both been done in by work all week, so it was always going to be. Uh, I wonder with this, if this is going to be one of those weird ones where it ends up playing... I, I really don't know what to think with West Ham because I look at them and I'm like, they're not that good. But what they do, everything that they do well, they do. I don't think they do anything brilliantly, but they do a lot of things well. And I think that yeah, they, 
this, when you look at that squad, it's a very, I think for the most part, and I don't mean this in a disparaging way, but it's probably going to sound that anyway, it's a very functional team. Hmm. But they are that good at, at playing that way that I think it exceeds what you would expect of them. And certainly what we expected of them from the summer, from the start of the season. Yeah, uh, I'm going to be slightly more positive. Even though Leeds don't draw many games, I think this one will be 1-1. Uh, I think that we're going to have enough going forward to hurt them. I I, can't, I definitely can't see us keeping a clean sheet because I think West Ham are good enough in open play to create some chances and they'll definitely create chances at set pieces. Uh, so if we came out with a 1-1, I'd be pretty happy, to be honest. Yeah, I'm also a little bit scared having... Uh when I watched the highlights of them against Man City the other week. Yeah, and, they... And, and I mean, they, they really should have got competitive. some. <laughs> yeah, they look very competitive in that game. Um, and Because I, I remember, I think, listening pre, pre-match, the, the, all the talk was about how effective Mikel Antonio had been this season for them, and then he ran them ragged. Yeah, and as much as, obviously, Juente is good... Because, I, I, I mean, we're assuming it's going to be Juente and Cooper... Uh, there is one, actually, come to think of it, that is a question that we'll finish on. Uh, if Calvin Phillips is fit, who plays centre-back? For me, it's for me. It's got to be Cooper and Strike. Because, as, as I've said before, I think for the way he's played at centre-back so far this season, I think that Strike's shirt to lose. Yeah, And, and I don't think... You can count moving him to holding midfielder against him, like a, and as, and I think as good as Urente has been since he's come in for these couple of games, and I think he has played quite well. I think Liam Cooper's playing the best football he's played this season. I think Pascal Strike is, and I've done, and it's probably unfair to judge him this way because of his struggles with injuries and the the limited amount he's played. But I don't think Urente is there yet. Yeah. I think I'd I think I'd plump for the same thing to be honest. But I think Bielsa would end up playing Juvente and Cooper. And even though it'd be massively harsh on Strauch, I think he'd be the one to drop out because I think he'd want to give Juvente this run of games just to see if he's the man for it or not. Uh yeah. I mean I mean I think that's the one good thing about the position we're in at this stage of the season is that mm. you can now as much as we talk about, talk about it, it being unfair to strike to drop out, we are in no danger of getting sucked into a relegation fight. We're not going to get into... Clip that. <laughs> <laughs> no, mate. I've heard that Fulham are going to win every single one of their games with two now in the end of the season, somehow drawing one all in all of them, but they're still going to mm. win them. Um, that, yeah, you, you might as well start using this period to... And it's not as if we're throwing an 18-year-old in there to see if he's any good. We're now throwing in an established first team player who's played at a decent level to get him a run of games and, and to kind of see how he clicks with someone like Liam Cooper. And you could also then change that, you know, a little bit further down the line, see how he gets on playing with Strike. Um, I, I think we're at a season at the point in the season now where you can start tinkering with with a couple of little bits. And I know that's not really Bielsa's style. You know, I don't think he's going to start putting. Trammer in for a couple of games just to, just to see how he does it at right back. Like, mm. um, but when you've got someone like Urente who 
he's what 28 29 uh i'm not sure i will do i don't think he's 29 yet uh 27 oh, 27 all right fair enough i'm putting a couple of years on him but you know he's so he's someone who has who's played a decent standard for years now yeah. so in terms you're not going to say it's a risk putting him in no uh assuming that we don't sign a centre-back which i don't think we will who's the centre-back pairing on the opening day of next season uh well brighton are going to get relegated so i think ben white yeah <laughs> fair <laughs> that that's my aspiration now and i know we've got plenty of centre-backs but there's still that outside hope i, I remember um, it was actually quite funny i saw someone on about that on twitter and they were saying something very similar uh kyle newbold wrote a piece for through it all together on Juventus start and his passing and what he looks like and how he looks like a really good option for us at centre back. And the first reply on Twitter was, "Poor man's Ben White. Let's go get the real one." <laughs> <laughs> I think in a, a in this little chain of events uh, I saw on Twitter, someone someone put, uh, "My girlfriend just found out Torval and Dean aren't in a, aren't a couple and and she's absolutely devastated." Uh, so that was followed up by uh, one of our mates, Dale, say, my missus just found out the hairy bikers aren't, aren't a couple and I'm absolutely devastated. And then I just went, I found out that Calvin and Ben White aren't in a relationship and I'm absolutely devastated. And so, you're wrong, because uh, they definitely are. Uh, well, it's a long-distance bromance at the moment. But, um, yeah, um, no, t- taking it seriously, I think... I, re- I still think... I reckon it'd be Cock and Cooper, if I've been honest. Mm. You see, I, I think opening day of next season, if everyone's fit, I think it's Cock and Strab. I think that as, as great as nah, Liam Cooper's stri- been... Nah, I think stri- next... Strike's off to Ajax this summer, mate. Yeah. So we cash in. He's off to Liverpool for 100 million. <laughs> and then his uh, knee goes. Yeah. So um, that will do us, I reckon, for episode 110 of the Mighty Whites podcast. Bit of a shorter one, but that's because we had sod all you to say, say about the Villa game. You say that, though. We started talking about the West Ham game after 16 minutes. We're up to 38 now, so we've done well. Yeah, the West Ham game's interesting. The Villa game was not. Yeah. <laughs> and the West Ham game might prove not to be. With the way they play, they could drag this into being a boring shit game. And it'd probably benefit them. But going into it, tactically, there's a few interesting things about it. It might be good. Whereas you can't look back on that Villa game and see anything interesting. There's nothing there. All over in five minutes. Yeah. So I'll leave that because there was various jokes I could have made about your sex life, but we won't bother. I'd kill for five minutes. Yeah, it's fair. (laughs) <laughs> um, so yeah that'll do us for episode 110 of the Mighty Whites podcast uh, we're on Twitter at Mighty Whites pod website's mightywhitespodcast.com if you want to direct download every, anything but it's on all the major podcast aggregators except Aircast so you'll be able to get it wherever uh, the stuff we write goes up on through it all together which is through it all together.sbnation.com and on Twitter at thiu it's all lufc uh, that is been a little bit quite normal but luckily the other writers have been covering for me barely being available lately because uh, I've just been completely out of it. Uh, have you walked to AdKC? No. No, I've got nothing today. Right, nice one. Well, we will be back after the West Ham game. I'm not sure exactly when. Uh, probably when I've just got up on Tuesday or Wednesday will be the best shout, because I'm back on tonight's. 
But uh, I've been Jack. See ya. I've been Casey. Have a good one. In a bit. <laughs>